Hello, this is Randy, and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love of the holidays with you year-round. This is Sydney, and I will be talking about fantastic fall bonfires. This is Beth, and I'm going to be bringing you up to speed with the history of apple cider. Awesome, which I actually know a little bit about, too, just from being a historian, so that'll be fun to jump in on. Yeah. Uh, This is Cole, and I'm going to be talking about scarecrows today. Very crowy. That's right. (laughs) Well, there's two parts to that. One's a scary part, and one's a crowy part. Well, I wanted to keep people guessing. (laughs) (laughs) As always, we begin our podcast with the holiday happenings for the past week. So what holiday happenings do we have this past week? Well... When I came back from my trip, I found two fun things at home. You did. I did. The first thing was mom and dad had left me a fall pumpkin spice pillow on my bed, which was very fun. So thank you all. You're welcome. The decorative pillow. To our little pumpkin spice girl. I know, right? And another thing that I'm excited about too was um, my order from Etsy had arrived. It was a mug that said, hello, pumpkin on it. And it's a pumpkin colored mug and it has white speckles on it and it's super cute. It's kind of an old fashioned shape. It looks Mm -hmm. like when, when I first saw it, I thought it was tin. Yeah. It looked like one of those camping tin ones except orange, real cute. But when you pick it up, it is really sturdy. Yeah. And it's porcelain. Mm-hmm. And it has a fun black rim, I think, on the top. It and is. white in the inside. Mm-hmm. It was adorable. It Actually, is. I haven't seen that yet. So you'll have to show me that after the podcast. Yeah. And I'm super excited to use it. So this is the time of year when stores start to have three layers of major holiday decorations in them. Halloween slash fall. Thanksgiving also slash fall. And Christmas. So for the first time this week, mid-ish, early-ish August, Cracker Barrel had all three of those <laughs> That's uh, true. Um, those holiday ornaments in it, as well as Hobby Lobby had a lot of Christmas ornaments mm-hmm. in it, This uh, Christmas decorations in yeah. it starting this week. Yeah, they had a, a few nutcracker displays and, well, maybe more than a few. Yeah, a lot of nutcrackers. Yeah, a lot nut of crackers. A lot of nutcracker displays. We also went to Michael's. They don't have Christmas things out yet. They're still focused on the fall. That's right. Halloween Lame. and Thanksgiving. As Lame. appropriately. <laughs> and, but Target also doesn't have a lot out. All they have so far yeah. is candy corn and... The mix. autumn mix. Yeah, corn. the autumn mix. Also candy corn. Autumn mix M&M's. Excuse me, they have that too. We have started to take down our summer decorations for the year, put up our fall decorations a little earlier than we have done in the past just because of some upcoming trips. Like next week, we'll be in Disney World with some friends. So we wanted to get a head start on that. Yep. And once you start going to Hobby Lobby and Michael's and seeing <laughs> all the fun fall things, you really want to get them out. Yes, that's very true. Very true. So we will begin our first topic of this podcast with Sydney Moon. Thank you. So start checking off items on your fall bucket list, which I know you all have. I love fall buckets. <laughs> they're so funny. And they're so cute with their different colors. <laughs> it's nice that one person at the table laughed at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's how to have... And or to host a fantastic fall bonfire. Fun. Before you even start planning the bonfire itself, check the weather to look for days that are both cool and rain-free. Invite family and or friends with a cute e-invite. That's what I would do, but you don't necessarily have to yeah, do Yeah, you could just send out a text or something. Yeah. But that's a, a cute idea. Text. Yeah, I think so too. A boring text. You no, I didn't mean that. I, I didn't I meant, mean that was And I agreed with mom. Yeah, it, her idea was fun. You could include a lot of pumpkin emojis in the text. That's true, you could do that. These, you, like, you really smiley faces to go and stuff. Yeah. These days you could do a Facebook invite. Yeah. You can create a little event for specific people. There's Ooh, a lot of ways to true. do fun little invitations. Yeah, you're so right. be creative with it. Yeah. yeah, be as creative as you want. So steps. First step is to make a safe bonfire. So if you don't have a bonfire already in your backyard, you can buy one. Like a portable one. You can, yeah. They're, yeah. they're around a lot. You mean yeah. a fire pit? Yeah. Fire pit mm-hmm. um, for your bonfire. Or you can make one. Yeah. However, 
Oh, sorry. And I would say this time of year is a good time of year to buy a fire pit because mm-hmm. a lot of them are on sale at Lowe's and Home Depot mm-hmm. and those kind of places. And there are a lot of options right now. Right. Yeah. And I mean, they look very nice they and do. they're very useful. And then that way you don't have a permanent bond, you know, fire pit in your backyard. Right. Um, however, if you want to make one, there are plenty of tutorials online. However, just ensure that you... Just to ensure that it meets your local fire department and legal regulations, like how far from the house it has to be, how far from the trees. Have a fire extinguisher or hose nearby to put out the fire, like right next to the fire pit. That's something that we've learned, I think, along the way. Yeah, the hard way, sure, sure. (laughs) In fact, the next, next point is do not, and I'm repeating this, do not use gasoline. Yeah, also a good idea. Yeah, Dad, would you like to elaborate on why that's... That's an important point. Well, it's because gasoline can get the fire out of control a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Anything else? No? <laughs> no? At no. all? No personal anything. <laughs> no personal Nothing. stories? I don't know. Don't put yourself on fire? Also, um, <laughs> no. Also, something that I want to jump in on is if you are using a hose and you have trees nearby, it's a good idea to spray down any low-hanging mm. branches ahead of time. That's something that I always do, and you always do that, too. Because we have trees near the fire pit. But let's get back to Dad's gasoline story. I guess so. <laughs> His, <laughs> sizzling years years His sizzling ago. story. So we have a large backyard. So we have a fire pit. Um, I put a bunch of loose stones around, kind of build up a little wall around a little area, and then have a number of large logs that you can sit on beyond that. Around uh, it. Around it. So, uh, how many years ago would this I have been? I think it was like the first year Yeah, so we were there. 16, 17 years ago. Yeah. So, long time ago. Yes. Yeah. But anyways, was working on some wet, a wet pile of logs. They weren't super wet, so I thought I could light them. And I tried multiple times with cardboard and with um, paper, but they just wouldn't go. Uh, so, big pile, multiple sets of little embers inside of the big pile. So um, I thought, you know, I'm just going to throw a little gasoline on this fire <laughs> uh, and then I'll relight it and that'll definitely get it going. So I was outside and Cole was outside and Cole was a little further away from the fire. How old he was, was he? Probably six or seven. Yeah, so I was like that. But I remember this. <laughs> yeah. So I got my gasoline tank out and I thought I would just like throw a little like bloop, a little <laughs> gasoline onto <laughs> the fire. But unfortunately, what happened was as I did that, there was kind of like a stream of gasoline going from the fire to the gas tank. Um, enough of the embers were still on the pile of wood that the fire leapt from the gasoline, lit the gasoline um, at the one end, and then came all the way up to the gas tank that I was holding. Right? The gas container, yeah. The gas tank that I was in my hand. And then up past my hand that I was holding the gas tank, up my arm, like up to where my sleeve is, basically. Just one big... Yeah, just like instantly this flame, this like fumes and flame went up up my arm. So I instantly, um, I instantly, well, I, yeah, I kind of dropped the um, gas tank. But, and, and it didn't, and it hadn't lit. No, it hadn't, it hadn't like blown up, up or, or anything, yeah. Lived, but it was, um going to and then um so i dropped that i looked around to see where cole was <laughs> to make sure he was safe this is while my arm is, a flame. is on fly, fire while my arm is on fire i looked back to see if beth was watching me from a distance <laughs> through the through the window and then i waved my arm to try to put it out but my arm is basically a lit stick at this point so i waved it and it made the fire kind of like <laughs> sound in the air because mm-hmm. my whole arm was just yeah blazing. So then, uh, and so it didn't put it out obviously because I was just fanning the flames at that <laughs> point. So then I remembered stop, drop, and roll. So I I got to the ground and I rolled my arm back and forth to put the fire out. Uh, at that point, so as I remember it, you were not immo- <laughs> you were not immobile as this was going on. You were you were like running <laughs> around a small area, waving your arms. Sure. Because I remember you stopped dropping and rolling like a, a fair distance. Yeah, a little from bit further. Right. Well, I also wanted to get away from the gas tank right. because yeah. I wasn't sure what it was going to do. Because I dropped it and now it was on fire. Right. And I had to get away from it, and Cole needed to be away. So Cole was watching me. So I put it out, and it hadn't started to hurt yet, burn yet. 
Um, and I put it up relatively quickly. It seemed like time slowed down, but it wasn't that long. So I kind of sighed. I said, wow. Um, and I said something to Cole. I don't remember exactly. And Cole um, looked at me and said, what did you say to me? I don't remember what I oh, said. Oh, you said, I was kind of worried about you for for a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I do remember yeah. that. So all the hair on my arm was gone. And it was a little bit... Um, Red, but it wasn't actually too bad. It was so. a little crispy. <laughs> a little crispy, but it wasn't too bad. So I was yeah. able to. You, you didn't know. like incur any like serious injuries. No, or it wasn't. Like that. Yes, fortunately, very fortunate. So yes. I did let, learn a lesson mm-hmm. to not use gasoline on bonfires. Yes. So learn from someone else's mistake. Yes. You're welcome, everyone. Do you remember what you did uh, about the gas can? It it melted. It melted. Oh. Yeah, it just it just burned until it was gone. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, there must not have been a ton of gas in it then. There was quite a bit of gas in it. It was not a small amount of gas that was in that thing when I threw it. So, it must have had, at some point, it, it had It did not. It just sat and... I mean, it was a pretty good sized flame, but it didn't, like, explode or anything. Interesting. So, thank you, Dad, for sharing that story. For your honesty. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for forcing me to share that story. <laughs> we appreciate your vulnerability. <laughs> so... When starting a fire, don't use gasoline. Start the fire out small, then work your way to a nice medium-sized bonfire as you continue to add wood to the fire. So usually dad starts out with, you know, you, you have a um, the wood and stuff, but you might light cardboard or um, different pieces of paper within underneath the pile, it. underneath the pile, to start yeah, the Yeah, so you have large, lo- large logs, mm-hmm. medium logs, then you go to sticks and then smaller sticks. You want to layer that together mm-hmm. so that... It's kind uh, of a rectangle, isn't the, it? A little triangle? Yeah, like a little pyramid, triangle, a circular yeah. pyramid. And you want to um, start with paper and cardboard. Mm-hmm. Because cardboard... Paper will help cardboard burn. And then cardboard burns a little bit longer. So it helps the smaller sticks burn. Yeah, and you want those big logs in the middle. Because those are the things that are going to burn the longest. Right. Right. So you just kind of want to plan it and layer it so that it lasts a while and then you want to have extra on you to lay on the fire not not gasoline though not gasoline no in fact and and depending depending on who your guests are if there are kids who are coming over make sure that the kids and the parents understand how to remain safe around a bonfire that could be don't you know jump done. in yeah don't jump in don't mess with the fire don't poke the fire you know Stuff like that. Don't tap on the glass. <laughs> yeah. So step two is to decorate. Create an ambiance. Logs for people to sit on is a nice way um, to create an, op- an outdoor ambiance. To invite people to sit next to the fire, mm-hmm. around the fire. I've also seen hay bales with blankets laid on them. Um, invite people to bring their own chairs if they want. We've done that. Their own blankets. Yeah, I always feel a little weird about hay bales, though. Like Next around, fire. around the fire. <laughs> yeah, that would be like for a a mobile fire, like a controlled, like like a fire kind of, exactly. yeah, where you've got somebody watching it. Yeah. The other thing I do with the logs around the fire is I use treated logs. So the logs we have mm. actually are treated the whole way through, so they won't won't catch on fire. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Right. yeah. Did you treat them well? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess I'm going to be cutting out (laughs) a lot of my own jokes here. And provide sticks or rods for bonfire roasting. Yes, and now there are more and more rods that you can buy with the extenders for um, marshmallow roasting. It used to be when we were kids, you had to find a long stick, and inevitably they end up burning at some point. Mm -hmm. But now they make um, steel rods that are extendable mm-hmm. that usually have like two or three prongs at the end. So with wooden handles. With with wood, like a wooden handle to yeah. keep it cool. Yeah. Yeah. But when we first started, I remember getting the long sticks. We found long sticks yeah. for the kids. Yeah, that Poppy actually found long sticks. He yeah, found he them and um, them. whittled it down. Whittled it down. Yeah. yeah. So funny. That was fun. Definitely. So step three, make sure you have the proper food and drink. So we need s'mores more stuff. Bon- exactly. <laughs> right. S'mores, s'mores, and more s'mores. Hot dogs, hamburgers. Um, sometimes we have veggie trays or fruit out for the mm-hmm. yeah for the guests. Yeah. Um, and decide like how you're going to arrange the food. The food, right? Is it going to be inside the house and guests can bring it outside? Will it be near the bonfire? Will it be like right next to it? You know, just different things to think about. How um, 
you're going to arrange the s'mores. Is it just free for all, or are you going to provide each of your guests like a little s'more kit? Oh, that's a cute idea, isn't it? Yeah, I like you know, that. It's interesting because I, I have a confession to make. I don't like s'mores. Some people I, don't. Yeah. I yeah I don't like them. I don't like putting them together. Like marshmallow roasting is fun. Yeah. I don't really like want to eat the marshmallow much mm-hmm. afterwards. Oh my goodness! I love roasted marshmallows. Um, I don't. I don't like how sticky they are. I don't like oh. just the the whole process. I always, you know, when I'm at a bonfire with people, there's always like the pressure. They're like, "Oh, just make a s'more. Just make one s'more." Yeah. Because it's always like assuming that like you're watching your weight or something. That's why you're or not you're... eating a s'more, right? Yeah. But I it's guess. like no, I really just don't like s'mores. s'mores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but I, I like roasted marshmallows. Especially. I like them a lot, mm-hmm. and I'll usually like one s'more. But yeah, I yeah, if there's not s'more stuff. There's roasted marshmallows. They're still really good. Yeah, definitely. I'm all in just with the marshmallows. And it's in the past now, but August 10th was National S'more Day. Ooh, <gasps> I miss National S'more Day. Well, it was on our all of our. It was. I even shared it. What was I thinking? Not actually thinking it. (laughs) Well, that was just yesterday, so I can... (laughs) Do do what you want. Do whatever you want. want. All right, step four. Wear the proper attire. So, on Pinterest and different social media sites, you'll see people in cute clothes around a bonfire, especially, like, with marketing. You see pictures of men and women and kids around a bonfire, fall bonfire, and mm-hmm. cute clothes. It's a lot of flannel. But, a lot of flannel. Yeah. But boots. make sure... Boots, yeah. <laughs> make sure that you are wearing clothes that you don't mind smelling like smoke for days afterwards unless you wash them. Right. So, or get sticky with marshmallows. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. true. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or chocolate. Or and if there are kids around, I know, like, kids, like, you know, they'll touch your shirt and yep. stuff. And it's just... Sticky little fingers. Exactly. Yep. So, just... Not just kids. Mom does that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Beth loves her s'mores. <laughs> well, I love my marshmallows. And she loves her marshmallows. And sometimes it gets away from her a little bit. So, um, a lot of people... It's very easy to catch a marshmallow on fire. Mm-hmm. And then you have a sticky fire blob. <laughs> <laughs> that will drop <laughs> off of your stick. That can't stick to a lot of things. So yeah. you have to be careful not to, you know, wing it around as you after you've um, lit it on fire. So yeah. I know I like to take my time roasting a marshmallow so it's a little bit brown on both, on you know, around mm-hmm. the whole marshmallow. Yeah. But sometimes I like to just light it so that it's black on the outside and warm on the inside. Yeah. What do you guys prefer? So, a little tip for you all. Unlike the pictures of people roasting marshmallows and they have the stick way over the actual fire, that's not actually how you roast a marshmallow. Right. You find, like, a little oven pocket near, like, the the bottom portion of the bonfire. And basically... And towards the outer side. Yeah. And basically, you're, you're just turning and getting a nice golden brown. Yeah. So, you got to hold it, depending on how hot it, oh, it is. It. But I would say a foot and a half, two feet away from yeah. the fire to actually make it get brown. Yeah. And but you again, have to it's, be it's, slow yeah. and consistent in turning it. Yeah. But again, you're not doing it on top of the fire. You're doing like down. Yes. Um, but I like it warm. I, I like a nice tan color on mine. I like mine to be... Brown but crispy. Mm, yes. So the outside has that crispy little satisfying mm-hmm. crunch and the inside's gooey yes. and warm and delicious. Mm-hmm. It's harder. To, I mean, the more narrow you are, the harder it is to hit that perfection for what you're talking about, Beth. Although sometimes like you'll you'll t- try to take off the marshmallow and the middle piece doesn't come That's with right. it. The inside right? stays behind. <laughs> you have to like try to grab it again. If, with if it's the... too crispy on the outside. Well, that's that's an uncooked middle. That's a middle that's not cooked enough. Yeah, if, if, like it's, stuck, yeah. if it's stuck there, there. yeah, mm-hmm. the the really cooked ones come off. Come the whole way off. Yeah. yeah. So definitely do your marshmallow research before <laughs> you have a bonfire. Step five: bug spray. Depending on where you are, we live in the woods, but bugs are not nice. They're not. I don't no. like bugs. I'm glad they're little. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yes. <laughs> that's quite a statement. Yeah. Yeah. Because they would be frightening, and they would try to like actually eat us constantly. There were there were plenty of movies about this. That's yes. true. Like, like old, old uh, Sunday afternoon movies. Yep, old black and white ants. I was going to say ants yeah. would be one, and praying mantises. Yeah, oh yes. uh, yeah, those horrifying movies Huge of ones. them. Yeah, yeah. But again, these are like super and old the big movies. spiders and stuff. Too. Yeah, yeah. And last but not least, step six: 
provide possibly low volume music to set the mood. Mm. Oh, that's a good idea. I don't yeah. think we've done that. No, we've done because we have a lot of um, woods around us, so the sound of crickets and mm-hmm. the chirping is kind of the nighttime sounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you're kind of quiet around the fire. So mm-hmm. that's that's, that's ours, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you could easily do music at like a Bluetooth speaker mm-hmm. or something and put it on your back porch or deck or something. Yeah, there's usually conversation for us yes. around the campfire. Mm-hmm. We're right. usually talking with friends or each other. It's not, people are sitting and waiting to be entertained. Right, and we like the sounds of the out, yeah. outdoors. And yeah. Plus, if there's a bear coming, we want to know. We would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is how to have a fantastic fall bonfire. So check, go ahead and um, have one. Check it off of your fall bucket list and move Let on us, to the next item. Yep. Let us know how it was. Yeah. Do not use gasoline. Yeah. Yes. Please do not. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Something else that might be fun at a bonfire would be a nice glass of apple cider. Oh my gosh, that would be. Wouldn't it? Yes. Because sometimes you get hot by the fire. You want something cool to cool you down. That's true. Or Or if it's cold and you want a nice warm mug of hot apple cider. That's right. With a cinnamon stick in it, maybe. That's right. Yeah, I know, right? We paused briefly for Randy and Cole to get Diet Cokes, and while they were doing that, I went and got a marshmallow. <laughs> was it delicious? <laughs> it was really good. Not as good as the roasted one, but yeah. it made me really hungry for a marshmallow. So, in common American usage, according to Washington State University, and I believe them, raw apple juice that has not been filtered to remove pulp or sediment is referred to as fresh cider or sweet cider. Ooh. The term apple juice indicates the juice has been filtered to remove solids. So, the way Americans use it, apple cider, just apple cider, is the unpasteurized, you'll see sediment. Apple juice has been pasteurized. And also, and there won't be sediment in it, so you'll right. find none of so that. So, apple cider is cloudy. Right. Apple right. juice is clear, yeah. all colored. It is and as I'm saying this, I'm remembering that in the fall, you can buy apple cider that has been... Um, filtered? Filtered. Yeah, because I've seen it in the store, in the grocery store. But it's still somewhat cloudy. It's still not all the way to juice It level. isn't. It isn't, but it is, um, it's also not as tasty as right. like apple cider you buy at a farm. And less sediment and all that sort of... So they're really probably taking out a lot of that sediment. So it's like a smoother drink right. than what you would get at a farm. Right. Right. And I have to say, I am not a personal fan of the sediment. I usually drink the cider at the top and I don't shake it so that I don't get any of that in there. Oh, okay. Like at the very bottom, I'll if it was just me, I would leave the sediment at the very bottom of the jug of cider and just drink the stuff that doesn't have it. I just don't like it. Really, I, don't, I really do like it. I do, do you? Yeah. I'd much rather shake it up and Mm. Have it mixed together, it, you know, because it settles pretty fast. It does settle depending fast. Depending on how, you know, where you get it from. But yeah, yeah, I like it. Much I like better. it cold and really well mixed up. Cold and chunky. Okay, so also in America, fermented apple juice is called hard cider. So that's kind of the American versions. In Europe, all non fermented apple juice is referred to as juice. So it doesn't matter if. Like our apple cider that's not fermented that we get at the local apple orchard, that's called juice to them. So fermented apple juice is referred to as cider. So in Europe, you'll get the fermented type. Got it. It'll be fermented. So worldwide, cider varies in alcohol content from less than 3% alcohol by volume. And that they found this in the, in the French, I don't know how to say it, in France. They found that in France. To 8.5% or above in traditional English ciders. That's pretty hefty, 8.5%. Right, and that's quite a difference in, in alcohol content. But I thought that was very interesting. So if you go overseas and you ask for cider, you are getting an alcoholic beverage. So that's the current terminology. But there is an interesting history of cider that I did not know until I started researching this. When settlers arrived in America, they planted apple trees. Now, these aren't the apple trees like we think of apple trees, like the sweet-tasting 
apples that we get from our apple trees. This, these were, they, I don't know if they were crab apples. Oh, those are very yeah, different. Smaller, sour apples. Right. They were, and they were made for the, they were grown to make the cider. Right. They weren't made to eat as a snack. Yes. Oh. They also planted barley and grain. So the apple trees they planted thrived, and the barley and grain they planted struggled. And the barley and grain they planted was for beer. So cider became the top beverage in early America, which is very interesting. Cider's popularity continued through the 18th and 19th centuries, and it was a time where water was often besieged, I guess is the word I'll use, by dangerous bacteria. Yeah. The alcohol in the cider made it a preferable and more sanitary beverage to drink. You know, and it's interesting because this is something that I learned about through my history classes as I was studying to become a historian. I'm a historian. Um, <laughs> what? what? Prove it. Show me your card. What? Historical. Um, but it was very common for farmers to have uh, cider distilleries on their property. You didn't have to be... It wasn't like a specialized thing. Like you think of somebody owning... A distillery that's kind of their trade that wasn't uh that wasn't the case for farmers in the early americas mm-hmm. they would just have a small distillery so um for projects i would go through i would sort of pour through these maps these property maps and there would be always these little buildings oh, that's interesting. and they were uh they were usually cider distilleries on the property of these various farmers because they would make their own cider right interesting. which yeah. made sense because the water wasn't good to drink right necessary so they needed it was something each needed to provide right. and it was also uh depending on the size of the farm a other potential uh way to get some profit it is. Oh, you could sell it. You could sell, sell it. it. Yes. You could make enough. So, cider was a staple at most dinner tables and was often treated like a food item, which goes back to further verifying Cole's historian story, historian fact. And this is what's kind of funny. A lower alcoholic version of cider called Ciderkin was usually served to children. <laughs> nice of them to lower the uh, alcohol content. Yeah, it well, I mean, kids get drunk up. faster, so, you know. <laughs> right. Plus, kids have a lot of work to do during the day, so they couldn't have them be all drunk laying around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're sometimes look... No, I won't get it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you don't want them stumbling around in the field, falling into things? It's like, you're no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Sydney, the voice of reason. <laughs> That's right. The HR. That's right. As America expanded westward, so did the cider. We have all heard the story of John Chapman, who's better known as... Johnny, Johnny Appleseed. Appleseed. Johnny Appleseed. I did not know that was his name. I just took yes. a shot in the dark. <laughs> yes. I was guessing it was Corey Cantaloupe. <laughs> <laughs> From John Chapman? <laughs> well, you were I, way I, off. Corey I always Cantaloupe. thought it was Manny Mango. <laughs> Steph hates mangoes, so... (laughs) I don't like mangoes. So, the legend would have you believe that he spread apple seeds randomly throughout the Midwest. (laughs) Yeah, like he could just throw them around. Solely for the love of the fruit. But, interestingly, he was actually a land prospector and a savvy businessman. Moving from Pennsylvania to Illinois, Chapman, Johnny Appleseed, was able to acquire land, plant orchards and nurseries, and sell them to incoming pioneers for profit. Very nice. All of his trees were planted from seed, so that part is correct, which rarely produces apples fit for eating, but usually produces apples suitable for cider. And that was great because the people who bought the land had something to start with. They weren't starting from nothing, basically, right? right? Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yep. So at this time in America, an apple was far more likely to be pressed into cider than eaten as a snack. So during the late 1800s, cider began... I just love the fact that you like have apple written at the bottom. <laughs> like that, like I that's Alright, so on, on Beth's notes, she just has the word apple written at the bottom of her page. Like that's her notes. Yeah. <laughs> apple. <laughs> I wrote it, and then I got distracted, and I didn't remember what I was going to write after that. But it's still relevant. It does say Apple. So okay, it's on the third page. Okay. Well, still relevant. <laughs> so during the late 1800s, cider began to decline in popularity due to several reasons. 
One reason was the large number of German and Eastern European immigrants who brought with them a desire to drink beer. So as they settled further into the Midwest, they found that the land was more suitable for growing the barley and grains needed for beer production. So beer could be produced on a larger scale. Cider became a drink. Apple. <laughs> I know. If you lost your spot, just refer to your notes. <laughs> that's right. Apple. Um, oh, that's where I was. There we go. So cider became a countryside drink. And the biggest blow to apple cider would be... Anybody have any idea? Chocolate. Hot chocolate. Whiskey. Okay. Very different answers. <laughs> okay. Love hot chocolate. Whiskey's interesting. No. Prohibition. Oh. oh. Prohibition came around. So, I mean, I was kind of closer. You said whiskey. Literally. Yeah, I know. But, like, <laughs> so, like, prohibition is, like, related to... To whiskey. To whiskey. True. Too, right? True. So That's the, a win for me. The, <laughs> okay. We will give it to you. I need this. So the production of cider became illegal, and even, this was interesting, even fresh apple juice production was severely limited. I guess yeah. so that they, they were discouraging putting apples into any kind of, making apples into any kind of drink there. That makes sense since the primary reason for growing apples was for apple cider. They didn't have right. another reason to grow it at that point. Point. Right. Exactly. That'd be like if people were making like, oh, we're just making this non-alcoholic barley drink. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yum, yum. <laughs> Which, fun it's, fact, they actually have something that is uh, just a grain, non-alcoholic grain drink in Russia, which I brought home and you guys tried. And, it's for the kids. And you, you guys did not like it. <laughs> no, I did It's not. called kvass. I like it fine. It literally tastes like bread. Yeah, it tastes yeah, it a lot very like yeasty. bread. Like yeah. spicy bread. Yeah. Liquid, spicy bread. Liquid, spicy bread. (laughs) (laughs) Interestingly. Prohibitionists saw to it that nearly all cider apple trees in the country were cut or they were burned down. What? Yep. Undoing much of Johnny Appleseed's work. Oh, poor Johnny Appleseed. I know, which is such a bummer. The industrialized beer manufacturers were able to adjust their operations to bottled soda and other products during the ban. But cider really didn't have anywhere to go, so it kind of, it had this huge decline. But, interestingly now, apple trees were planted to produce a sweet apple that people could eat versus the cider apples. So that's why we have so many great, sweet, yummy apples around. So that's the time frame where apple growers switch to just trying to sell apples for the sake of having an apple. Yes. So we can thank Prohibition for yeah. our sweet apples. That's right. right. And we got our alcoholic cider back. Yeah, so, we did. So it's like a win-win in the that's end. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And our lovely apple pies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Very different. With yeah, the... I wondered if, if apple pies were common using the cider apples. I don't know. That is a good question. So if somebody wants to look that up and let us know, oh, that would I be I think great. you should refer to your notes then. Uh, apple. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I think that says it all. I think think that answers all of our questions. (laughs) So, um, apple cider is back and growing. Hard apple cider is back and growing. Growing in in popularity. popularity. Mm -hmm. As craft beer started to come around. Oh. Cider, apple cider, hard apple cider started kind of going the same route. So, that was kind of interesting to me. So, from what I understand, there are a a lot of different kinds of hard apple ciders like there are different kinds of craft beers so i don't know i actually tried some hard apple cider um i want to say a couple weeks ago for the first time in a while and it's good it's very good it tastes a lot like regular cider just with a little more bite to it right yes when i think of apple cider i think of the fall and i think of scarves and boots and sweaters that's what i think of too and we, almost every year, I don't know if there's a year that's been that we haven't, we go to an apple orchard and pick apples, mm-hmm. which are incredibly delicious. I don't know why apples from the tree are so much better than any purchased apples in a grocery store, but they are. They're delicious. And then we always get apple cider to bring home. Mm-hmm. And the place we often go to locally makes the apple cider while you're there. So you can actually see them. 
pressing the apple. So yeah, they'll let we you have seen help. them at d- different mm-hmm. times. It's very and, interesting. And just to clarify, this is non-alcoholic cider. Yes. Right. <laughs> this, is, this is apple cider, not hard cider. Right. This is family friendly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. so was the original apple cider. <laughs> it was family friendly. It was. Friendly. Friendly. Yeah, it was. It was. It was ciderkin. Yeah. For the children. That's right. I will talk more about apple cider in part two. Very but fun. for now, oh. you would just have to wait and see what's to come. Now I'm thirsty for well, apple cider. Suspense. I know, right? Yeah, there's, they don't have apple cider in the stores yet. We were just in the stores today and still no apple cider yet. Yeah. Another even, week or two. Even though we're into the, you know, we're getting into fall and the seasonal stuff, really it's not even mid-August yet. So for the rest of the world, or a lot of it, it'll take a little while to get the fun things that we're talking about right now. It's basically fall. <laughs> it is for us. Mentally. It is for Hobby Lobby and Michaels and us. And I did see I have one more thing in my notes to share. What's that? Before I end this for this week. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly here it says Apple. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that doesn't summarize it. <laughs> bottom of page three <laughs> apple well you know well you know one place that you might be uh drinking this fun apple ciders on a farm True. which usually have you know big like cornfields or fields of grain or something that's right. right so just make sure that you don't wander off into the cornfield and get lost and maybe be accosted by a scarecrow <laughs> wow that was quite a scenario yeah that was a li- that was a little bit of a jump there but yeah. but right, if you're yeah. drinking your fun apple cider you may not be paying attention to your surroundings right right that's right, right. And right. really it he could... just might have wanted the apple cider too <laughs> right so always take two cups of apple cider <laughs> one for you. you and one to share as right. you wander around as you wander around to the appease, apple orchards apple orchards <laughs> honestly there are weirder folk like traditions <laughs> throughout yeah, history there are. than yeah. taking an extra cup of apple cider with you <laughs> yeah. to appease the spirit that is true I refer you to the bare teeth of the nutcracker <laughs> and right. so many others too yeah, so many really. others again check out our previous nutcracker episode that's right <laughs> nice Nice. <laughs> All right. So, um, scarecrows have a long history, and it's interesting because when you look up the history of a scarecrow, there's two things that pop up the history of inanimate scarecrows and the history of scaring crows. <laughs> oh, that's so it, It's two very distinct, like, lines of history. Well, not even very distinct, they intercross, but it's two different lines of history. Um, because you can trace. Scarecrows, a wooden object meant to be shaped like a person and meant to scare crows away, um, you can trace that at least back to ancient Greece where they were placed in fields. Oh, wow. But in ancient Egypt, they had crow scarers, people who would hang out and then run into fields Presumably waving their arms. I don't know. That's what, it, that's what, I, that's what I imagine. Yeah, that's the one I saw where it was the... When I was looking up scarecrows at one point, I saw the people running into the fields. I'm like, that's not a scarecrow. <laughs> that's, that's a crow scarer. <laughs> that's a yeah. crow scarer. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Um, so it, that's kind of an interesting, because there's some intermingling, but that's sort of the two spots where those two crow scaring techniques, I guess, begin. And then the Romans picked up the inanimate scarecrow from the Greeks. Like the Romans picked up so many other exactly from the Greeks. I was thinking stole, the same thing. Stole, appropriated, <laughs> made it their own. Made it their own. They just made, they just made it special. <laughs> um, so some of the old scarecrows would have like dirty rags, bells, um, various sort of metal instruments hanging from them. That way, when a crow would land on it, it would make noise and it would scare the crow off immediately. Or if a strong wind, it would clang, I would guess. Yep, it would clang. A lot of them were mounted on a pole in a field. Uh, Sometimes they were also lit on fire. That doesn't seem like it would be a great idea. In a field. In a field. It also doesn't seem like it would last for very long. Right. Like, you have a solid hour of no crows. (laughs) (laughs) They went through a lot of scarecrows. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, they had to learn by trial and error. So, not all of the scarecrows looked like people originally. A lot of them were just noisemakers or, you know, something in the field to be off-putting to crows or other kind of what you think was vermin. 
Um, but when sort of the, the Dark Ages rolled around, in Europe at least, um, and this was, this was actually common not just in Europe, but sort of started out in this, they would actually have children hang out in the fields, and they would be crow scarers. So they would run, and they would scare the crows away. Although, So I could see during that period of time, it might be good to have stronger apple cider for them. Right. <laughs> for the children. they'd be more vigorous when they're, like, they're running around. They're like, what? Is that a crow? <laughs> they're like stumbling towards it. And a, crow, and a scarecrow that is lodged in a field mm-hmm. is probably outstanding in his field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he probably is. Thank probably. you, Beth. <laughs> probably is. Um... But it was around this time that they started making them look more like people, too. So they would stuff old clothes, and they would put, like, a gourd or maybe, you know, whatever large vegetable or, you know, thing that they could put on. Some would actually put animal skulls oh, for the on head? top. Yep, for the head, um, which is a little terrifying. Yeah, it is. So I wonder why they did that. I wonder why they decided to make it human-looking. Um, well, because they wanted to sort of, they, they the wanted people. to deter the crows from, so, and they, so obviously crows didn't like pe- being around people. Right. 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 So, they're, so that would scatter. So them. the interesting thing about crows is crows are very intelligent. So you would, um, you would have scarecrows that looked like people and maybe you would have people also. Mm-hmm. So people during this time were not nice to crows when they got a hold of them. Like you would, you would toss a net, you would kill whatever crows you could find. So if a crow saw a person in a field, it wouldn't want to go to the field because that meant somebody was going to to kill it if it got close to it. Right. My understanding are crows are very intelligent. Like they can recognize individuals really? that they've met over years. Really? Yeah. Mm. So so they're really smart. So I would imagine you'd have so to that's, combine that's their downfall. Yeah, you'd case. have to combine a scarecrow with live people, right? So it, it sees all that together and. It associates it with with being scary or frightening or or dangerous. So it, then, when the scarecrow is by itself, then it's not going to just land on the head, right? It's going to avoid that whole area. And um, it, it was a progression. People had to over time realize that it worked. Leaving the scarecrows out actually did work. Right. So it became more popular over time as more farmers realized that it was a good way to keep crows away. It scarecrows sort of fell out when. People realized that they could use pesticides on their crops and other uh, other chemicals to keep crows away. Okay, so the crows wouldn't want the the, the, corn the crops the because of the, the mm-hmm. yeah, like the taste or something, smell, taste. I'm guessing, yeah, kind of thing. So the other crows died the from eating the food with the pesticides. Dead on crows laying around. It could be dead they crows from each other. Maybe maybe that would have been even more efficient than yeah, a scarecrow. Right. You could have just hung dead crows, <laughs> taken like Vlad the Impaler approach to the crows, yeah. um, <laughs> little spikes. Yeah, it is it is interesting because uh, that is something that came up in my research. Um, some, you know, suggest that the scarecrow, the uh, image that we see of the scarecrow is meant to mirror Christ on the cross Uh, and may have also served as a no trespassing or a warning sign, sort of like um, Vlad the Impaler, who I guess took scarecrowing to the most yeah. extreme. Yes, that's right. Used actual people yeah. on sticks. Who uh, managed to scare the Ottomans, who were not easy to scare no. in the medieval period, and also kind of scared me <laughs> many, many years later. Um, so, in this way, so scarecrows are kind of unlike other, like, scary Halloween-y creatures, uh, because they can be both scary and not scary. Like, even compared to something like ghosts... Even like a friendly ghost, a ghost is still kind of... Casper. Right. It's still... I never liked Casper. Casper was always... Casper, but he is Casper a friendly was, ghost. Casper was obnoxious. <laughs> but um, ghosts are still sort of inherently supposed to be kind of spooky, even when they have like a smiley yeah. face or something like that. But you can see a scarecrow as a fall decoration, completely right. unspooky. Right, right. Um, and it could be a very pleasant fall decoration. Like, yeah. it's not just a Halloween kind yeah. of thing. Right. It yeah, hasn't become decorate. the clown. No, the it fall. has not become Where, the clown. You know, clown. It's almost impossible to get past the the scariness of clowns these the days. The stigma. The stigma, that's right. But, but scarecrows, even though there are scary scarecrows in cinema, 
it hasn't picked up the global view of scariness for all scarecrows. And on that point, you think of even dolls nowadays, right? Like, there are nice dolls, but dolls in general just around a room is considered creepy. Mm -hmm. Unless it's like a little girl's room, like, it's considered creepy. But we, just like you said, Cole, like, we have scarecrows just as fall decorations around the house. Essentially, they're dolls, but we don't consider them creepy or anything. You know, they're just sweet little decorations. Right. Even... Even most scary scarecrows, like they have a bag or something, when you look at them, they're not quite terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Like, right. you know, Pennywise the Clown. Right. Or, you know. And I think some of that comes from the fact that there is not an iconic, frightening scarecrow. There's no iconic right. um, that, that everybody recognizes. slasher movie. Right. There's no, yeah. like, you think of, you know, Jason... Freddy, Michael Myers, Pennywise the Clown. Mm-hmm. The most iconic scarecrow is the one from Dorothy. The one from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Which is a nice scarecrow and still holds up as a nice scarecrow. Yeah. Some of those old movies, when you look back, you're like, okay, that's kind of terrifying yeah. by <laughs> yeah. today's standards. Yeah. Uh, but it is still a very nice scarecrow. He's yeah. very fun. He doesn't look terrifying at all. Right. Yeah, he's very sweet. Um, and sort of uh, some of the other kind of scariness of scarecrows comes from um, comes from where they're located. Like if you can think of where are scarecrows in the field? In the field, and in the U.S., we usually think of them in a cornfield. Corn That's right. Yeah. Which it is extremely easy to get lost in a cornfield. Mm-hmm. So being lost in a cornfield with scarecrows is a little, you know, terrifying. And in media, they're often, they're in farms, so they're often uh, associated with things like scythes, too. Oh, right. okay. Um, which is a farming instrument, but is also very closely associated with death. Right, yeah, the Grim Reaper, right? Right. Yeah. So there have been a few scarecrow horror movies, as well as a few depictions of scary scarecrows in TV. And there are some other sort of folklore, frightening urban legends about scarecrows. I've seen a couple of scary scarecrow movies. Uh, 2010's Husk and Scarecrow from 2002. Neither of which were particularly scary. Well, and the fact is that despite getting lost in a cornfield is a little, you know, intimidating. Corn is not scary. Corn is not scary. Um, It's one of those things that is a lot scarier in person than it is in a movie because it's hard to depict that feeling of like panic and lostness of being in a cornfield and not being able to figure out how to get out right but almost all cornfields i guess unless you're like in um the midwest but cornfields out in the east all have ends to them like you can't ever like feel like you're so in the middle of a cornfield that that you'll never get out like you can always get out you just go the same direction for a while. Right, but yeah. the problem is you can get turned around. You can get turned around, but corn is in rows. Right. So you can't get lost directionally because you just have to follow a row. Right. Mm-hmm. And in Pennsylvania, you just have to be careful of if you're going to be, if it's going to end at tree line or if it's going to end at a highway. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. yeah, you, just, you know, blindly <laughs> run <Right>. into <laughs> Yeah. Um, so other than movies... Uh, I can think of the old Goosebumps episode, The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight, which I I saw as a kid. And it's probably one of the scarier Goosebumps episodes. Um, But again, as an adult, it's not very frightening when I look back on it. Um, And there's also sort of popular, like, urban legends about, like, uh, the Scarecrow that when you go and look at it, it has, like, tattoos and stuff on it. So it's, oh, like, pe- like yeah, people's funny. skin and stuff. So oh. they were, like, killed by the Scarecrow. Oh, that's yeah. So you can, you know, you can tell who it was by the tattoos on the leather, um, which is another one of those urban legend kind of things. Um, I've never heard of that. You've never have. heard of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have, Sydney has? Mm-hmm. Um, Must be a millennial thing. I don't think so. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Um, but when I was growing up, uh, the scarecrow that I I knew most, do you think you can guess? The scarecrow you knew most was not the scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz? Not the scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz, but a very iconic scarecrow in media, very well known. Um, I always think of Wizard of Oz. I'm trying to think. How little were you? Um, 
maybe 10 or so, around that age. Oh, so a little older. I'll give you a hint. It was just called The Scarecrow. It sounds spooky. Was it a spooky one? It was Batman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, scare- oh, the yeah. Scarecrow. Yes, of course, yes. Um, who used a tank of fear-inducing yes. gas yes. against his enemies. That's so um, funny. So when I was a kid, like from cartoons and mm-hmm. from Batman, yep. I always knew the Scarecrow. And he was always one of my favorite. He might have been my favorite Batman villain. Um, so because yeah, I just I liked scarecrows. I thought he was he yeah. looked interesting, and he always had the the side with him. And yeah. So that was very fun. I actually had forgotten about that until I was starting to look up scarecrows again. I was like, oh, there's another other than the Wizard of Oz, another scarecrow that That's I right. think of. Another very iconic scarecrow. Yep. And so, sort of, no matter their cultural roots, scarecrows are kind of uh, great for Halloween because they have the specific purpose. Of inducing fear. Right. That's sort of... It's part of their name. That's their function. They're scarecrows. Yeah. Not necessarily meant to scare people, but right. as no trespassing kind of signs, mm-hmm. maybe to scare people. Yeah. Um, they're, but they're one of my favorite Halloween icons, and they're one of my favorite so uh, sort of fall things to see. Uh, so this was a very fun topic for me to... For me to look over and share with you guys. That's yeah, very interesting. Cool. It's yeah, it very is. Fun. All three topics were very interesting. Thank very, you for sharing. Very fallish. Very yep. fallish. Right. And to end our podcast for this week, as always, we talk about our future festivities. This is for the week of August 26th. August 26th is National Dog Day. August 27th is Just Because Day. Hmm. August 28th, Race Your Mouse Day. August 29th, According to Hoyle Day, August 30th, Frankenstein Day. Ooh. August 31st, International Bacon Day. That Ooh. is awesome. Like B-A-K-I-N apostrophe? No. Bacon? <laughs> no. Like the good bacon. September. Both good bacon. It could be International Bacon Bacon Day. <laughs> True. It's not, and it's not International Kevin Bacon Day either. <laughs> September 1st. September 1st, No Rhyme or Reason Day. Okay. I feel like some of these are a little weak this week. <laughs> hey, they are what they are. I know, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just thinking, hmm, I wonder if the person making these up I would almost prefer International Street. Kevin Bacon Day. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm uptight and I need to cut loose. Yeah. Cut <laughs> loose. Yeah, just like every period of time, there are stronger holiday days and weaker holiday yeah. days. These, I guess, are the weaker ones from your point of view. That's right. As always, you can follow us on social media at Twitter at Holiday underscore Moons, on Instagram at Holiday Moons. On Facebook, you can find our Facebook page and our Facebook group by searching Holiday Moons. And you can always contact us at any time at HolidayMoons at gmail.com. So for Randy, Sydney, Beth, and Cole, Happy Fall!